Welcome everyone to Little Bit Weebish. Today we are going to talk about Attack on Titan Season 3, Episodes 15 and 16. Sam, I cannot believe that we're here. There's so much drama. Everyone. It's just so fast. (laughs) It's so fast and it's so good and it's like, what the heck, you know, the entire time. So, yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm so pumped. Well, let's just dive right in. Let's go into episode 15. The title is Descent. Sam, why don't you give us a little bit of summary? Reiner's Titan has has been taken down, or so it seems. Barrett Holt has been waiting for the signal to rush in to aid, but hasn't for the longest time until the armored Titan finally yells out enough, yells loud enough over the wall. Barrett Holt is then flung in a barrel over the wall (laughs) with a desire that he will transform and decimate the city. As he is flying, he sees that Reiner's hurt. And so he lands without transforming and tells Reiner to to shift his body to save himself so that he can transform um, and kind of take out some other people. Now, mind you, Reiner sees, or sorry, Bertolt sees that Reiner's head is like half blown off and he's still talking to him. <laughs> like, to me, I would yeah. be like crying or something else, but that's not how <laughs> things go in Attack on Titan because and of the know, way that their nervous systems are. Seriously. And you know, we're not warriors like them. So there is that. <laughs> that would be yeah. like insane. Um, so at this point, um, Bert Holt then is about to transform when Armin tries to negotiate with him. There's no such luck that's happening on with that conversation. Um, Bert Holt says that the only way he walks away <laughs> is with everyone dead and Aaron as his captive. Armin says he cannot do that and reminds Bert Holt that Annie is captured and being tortured, which we know that she isn't because she's in her cocoon of crystals, um, but right. he's trying to use that whole like deception thing um, on Barrett Holt again. Um, but Barrett Holt says, "Like I'm not going to fall for that again." Um, he's completely—he's a completely new and different person. It seems like much more determined, much more like nothing's going to stop me. Nothing um, is too precious enough to make me stop me from my mission. Um. And Armin and Mikasa have noticed it. Like, they make comments about it. Um, Bert Holt then makes his way on his ODM gear, launches himself up into the air, and then transforms, taking out Hanji's whole squad. Uh, the Core Six are all that is left, and they realize that they need to stop the Colossal Titan before he starts burning down not only the city, but the outside of the walls where more of the scouts are located. Like, so intense. Also, it cracks me up. <laughs> That Bertolt's conditions are like, okay, well, everyone has to die. It's like, that's still what you were going to do anyway. That's not negotiating. It just... Well, just to kind of clarify, it took me a little bit to understand. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that what Bertolt is saying is like, yeah, I like 
if you guys all die and I take Aaron, I'm not going to mess with anybody else who's further in the walls. I think that that was like his, I don't know. That's how I was thinking about it. But I know that that's not the Beast Titan or Reiner's thoughts at all. They're like, no, all of humanity must die. Right. And I think was like, "I'll, I'll spare the other people as long as all of you guys die so that you guys don't come after us and I can have Aaron. Oh man, I was thinking like, no, everyone is still going to be eradicated, so I will freely tell you, but you're all going to die. You know? Yeah. yeah. But I, I think that he just specifically says like, you and the scouts die. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that that's what he says um, at that point. But uh, Well, you know, either way, poor negotiating. <laughs> that's all yeah. I have to say. <laughs> um, but everyone... Let's just hop right into themes. Today, I want to take a literal, not a literal, but a metaphorical approach to the title Descent. Sometimes the titles are just so good and layered. And then sometimes Mm -hmm. you're like, why is this name Thunder Spears? Why is this name Friendship or whatever? Yeah. Um, They're either on the mark or way off base. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but this one I feel like uh, was definitely a good one. It's very layered in a literal way, but also metaphorical. So literal way, the definition of descent, um, just so we're all, you know, on the same page. It's to move downward, dropping or falling. That's what it means. Um, Just a fancy way of saying any of those. And so there's a physical descent. They need to go southward to the uh, Shiganshina district. They need to go past the mountains. So what goes up in the mountains, they must go down. And then they, um, their ultimate goal is to go down into the cellar. Cellars are usually under the ground or in the ground. So you have to go down. Um, and for Reiner and Bertolt, they have to physically descend uh, over the walls to get into their positions. So literal descent everywhere. But there's also a metaphorical descent. And I would like to focus that through Reiner. So, okay. yes. So first off, we see... This first coming to light with Rhina's ultimate betrayal. So this is when he, Bertolt and Annie, they are friends with Marco and he betrayed him. Um, he was not allowing Marco to get away when he overheard he and Bertolt talking about using their Titan forms and creating the whole. And Marco's not dumb. But they were not going to even entertain the possibility that they could have a civil conversation. And then when Annie comes, Rhina forces Annie to make a decision to prove that she's still with them because she had saved Connie earlier and makes her take off Marco's ODM gear, which prevents him from escaping when a nearby Titan comes. So they flee away and then Rhina just, it's like as if he's in complete shock. Like he just looks and says, why is Marco being devoured? And 
it's so devastating, but you can see that this was kind of a switching point for Raina. Before, he was so firm in their mission. He played this role to gain respect among his peers. But I believe it wasn't until this moment of betraying his friend that actually caused him to slip and fall. It was no longer just faceless scouts, faceless humanity, nameless people. It was actually someone he became friends with and who he betrayed. And I feel like that's when he realized that his friends would also be a part of the death toll that he was pursuing. I don't know. What See, do you for think? me, I took that, I, I took that a little bit differently. I, I took that moment where he's like, why is Marco being devoured as in his descent into madness? Not necessarily right, that, too. that he, not necessarily that he realized what he was doing before. And now he's, what am I trying to say? Um, I feel like he just made his switch into his other personality. Like, right. I, he was in a fugue state. He wasn't, he was in his warrior mode. And then like now he's back in his soldier mode. I don't know. And yeah. No, I completely agree. I think it was that betrayal in that moment that caused that light switch moment, that flip or that split personality. And like you said, mm -hmm. descent into madness because up until that point, we don't see him compromising his ulterior motive whatsoever. Like, yeah. yes, he's helping his friends. Yes, he's being useful. But mm -hmm. that's all part of the facade of just being, you know, respected by his peers. And now this was the moment that was like a breaking point for him. And he was no longer the same after that. Yeah. I also thought that it was really interesting, just as a note for like how Reiner is acting um, with Annie, like, and, I don't know, like, I never thought of Annie as the one who is sympathetic out of the three. Right. And all of a sudden, Reiner's like, um, you need to prove yourself. And I'm like, Reiner, you're the one that's been so like buddy buddy with everybody else out of the three of them don't you think that you would be the one or you should be the one that's proving yourself i mean he is but like why are you calling out annie when it's the one time that she like saves somebody when you have been teaching aaron how to fight seriously like i don't i don't know i just feel like it was a very <clears throat> asshole moment <laughs> <laughs> One hundred percent. Oh well, and and also kind of like how funny is it though that Rhina basically taught Aaron how to perfect his ODM gear so that way when he had the broken stuff he could actually do it. Yeah, and it's like if he failed, he would have been shipped off to some fields, and like his Titan abilities would have never been realized. It never would have happened. It's like because Rhina did that, he like kept him in the training. It's yeah. like, I don't know. But anyway, yeah, it's totally like she saved one person, but you've literally been like helping this other person like get really good at fighting. Like, what's your deal here? 
I don't know. You're yeah. totally correct in that. Ugh. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so my next one um, is Rhina's submission to War Chief Zeke. Um, and in case you forgot, uh, they kept referring to the Beast Titan as War Chief right up until the cart titans came and said war chief zeke so just in case everyone's like i didn't know the cart titan did say it um so there were no spoilers there but rhina becomes completely submissive to the war chief um and this can be seen as sort of a descent as well because we saw how he was as a leader in the scouts but here he's totally not the person to turn to. He's um, turning all the power to this war chief, which makes sense given the name. But the moment I'm talking about specifically is when, you know, the war chief was saying, Annie's probably fine. And Ryan and Bertolt, they push back because they're concerned for Annie. And, you know, Zeke says, it doesn't sound like you're fully committed the hell's your problem i thought we came to an agreement we can fight and if you lose to me again i'll make you give up your armor to another warrior and this causes rhina to completely submit to this higher line of authority because we at least know to a degree what it means for a titan of special ability to be transferred over to another person and so he's completely shutting down and saying, yes, sir, I will do it. Oh, man, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, it's it's like out of fear that he will be eaten, a.k.a. just completely dead. As far mm-hmm. as we know, To as far as we know, that's what that means to transfer your Titan ability. You just get eaten and you die. Mm-hmm. Like... That's what that means. And he's scared. And so he submits to what the war chief says. He no longer wants to fight him. Yeah. I mean, just as like thinking in the future, I'm wondering because they seem to be like when the beast Titan kind of came in, we could kind of tell that there was something that's more forward thinking than humanity. And like Mm. what he alludes to is just a lot more, uh, a lot more intelligence than what we were thinking previously and so i'm wondering if there's another way that they're able to transfer abilities i'm like i'm just guessing because i feel like they have to have multiple people with multiple abilities and trying to cultivate that like if you just have one person i don't know just a thought like no having one person with one ability just just and you have to sacrifice them to transfer it to somebody else seems just so ludicrous. I mean, in the, in the sense of what, I mean, if the humans know that that's how it can work, I'm sure that there's another way that's much more, um, what do you call it? That's Methodical, more, yes. established. <laughs> yeah. Something that makes a little more sense in terms of succession. Right. And that's why I make the disclaimer that as far as we know, this is what we think it means. But I do like your hypothesis, Sam, on like what the other side does. And if that means anything different than what we currently know, Mm -hmm. I really like that. Um, 
Now, my next one is, or my last one is on Rhina's defeat. So we touched on this a little bit in the last episode, but Rhina was kind of cocky when fighting Aaron and he was ultimately defeated. We saw that um, the beginning stages of the enemy side this episode and this banter between Rhina and Bertolt before they assumed positions, Rhina was saying that he never saw Bertolt be dependable, that he never thought for himself until like that moment or the last second. I personally felt like it was a really odd way of talking someone up before battle. <laughs> um, but his It totally def- wasn't. He's just like, you better suck it up, buddy, and you better do your best. <laughs> like, he's Honestly, he's doing the same thing that the Beast Titan did to him. It's 100%. just falling down the chain. And I... Stupid dick moves. Like, you're just all being assholes. <laughs> Seriously, I'm like, gosh, I do not like this side of the situation for sure. Because y'all it's are a, not nice. A, yeah, it's a it's a pissing contest over there in the Titanland. <laughs> That's all I have to say. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. Um, this is what happens when we record in the morning instead of at night. I'm very yeah. feisty. <laughs> Seriously, everyone, I just want everyone to know, I guess we should have said this in the beginning. We're doing this super early in the morning and Sam even more so because she's an hour behind me because we've had to like do a couple changes in our usual recording. And so, yeah, we're doing this in the morning. So you're getting morning morning voice, you're getting um, feistiness, you know, we're ready to go <laughs> is what we're saying, but we probably won't make a habit of this because this was early. Yeah. Um, but anyway, <clears throat> so, uh, Rhina, he does this weird way of pumping someone up before battle. Weird to me, not so much to maybe other people, <laughs> but his defeat was so great that all he could do in the end was roar for Bertolt to essentially assume position because he was so compromised, kind of like how Annie had to roar back in season one to make mm-hmm. her desperate escape. And then lay flat on his back, just lay there. So he was more so protected. He could no longer contribute or fight or just, he could do nothing. Yeah. Um, And I mean, let's flip the script just for a brief moment. We saw Bertolt rise up and literally ascend to his duties because he came in and then he went back up into the sky and just became the colossal. Um, So there's that literal aspect of the opposite of descend, which is ascend. And he was also standing in front of his friends, not begging them for mercy like the last time in season two. Mm -hmm. And he just seemed completely different, like you said in your summary, to Mikasa. It was like he was so determined that they'd never seen him that way before. Yeah. I just, I think it's so interesting just kind of to pop back to your point with so was was Reiner not supposed to have yelled out to Bertolt? Because I remember him like when he was trying to give to give his quote unquote pep talk to Bertolt that he's like, "Don't wait for commands, just do it." Was right. Bertolt supposed to like rush in there? Um, I one of his things he said, "You don't have to wait for my signal." 
Okay. And so I think that just meant that Rhina or Bertolt essentially could have come whenever, but mm-hmm. that signal was like, I need you to come now, you know? But Bertolt was yeah. in his little barrel being like, I haven't heard a signal. I haven't heard a signal. But literally up on the wall, Bert or Rhina said, you don't have to wait for my signal. Like you just kind of wait to okay. do something. So I just, I feel like, so there's, there's just kind of like this discrepancy here that I'm seeing, like, and I don't know if it's because of Reiner's character just not being the best um, at planning, but mm. like when Reiner ends up coming in, he's like, I don't want to hurt you when I transform because there's like this massive blast right. and whatever. So if that were to happen... And Bertolt didn't listen to Reiner and just kind of like came and transformed whenever. Wouldn't mm-hmm. he get hurt as a Titan then anyway? Huh. Or is it because I, he was partially out of his human form that like if he was in his Titan form fully, he would have been fine? Because I feel like what? if it's Reiner... No I just feel like if, it, if Reiner was possibly... Um, in danger of being hurt when Bertolt transformed, like, mm-hmm. regardless of being in his Titan form or not, like, Bertolt wouldn't have done that. He wouldn't sacrifice Reiner to to transform, and I just asking him to transform before the call, I don't know. Whatever! Well, maybe... <laughs> I'm just well, in a loop. Well, maybe we have to just fall back on the fact that Rhino was extremely cocky, so mm-hmm. I think that maybe he was just overly confident saying, I'll, I'll do my XYZ job. Cause remember how mm-hmm. Aaron transformed into a Titan to prevent him from like scaling the wall and doing whatever he was supposed to do. I can't even remember, but he was supposed to go up the wall, but mm-hmm. Aaron transformed to distract him. And so Rhina went down to try to capture Aaron. I think we can chalk this up to just Rhina being so freaking cocky and thinking that he could just be the one to capture Aaron. And then it proved so wrong that all he could do to save himself at the very last moment, because Hanji was saying, we need to do one last thunder spear just to make sure. I think that was just, like, a cry for desperation. It might not even be the real signal that they meant, but I feel like that roar, because Annie did it and because Raina did it, it was meant to say, like, I'm hurt, people come help, or whatever. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. We're chalking it up to Raina being cocky, but let's move on to what we liked. Uh, Sam, why don't you tell us what you liked? Your first thing. Um, so kind of like what I said before, said before um, the moment when Rana said, hey, why is Marco being devoured? Um, it just really shows you the, that during that harsh moment of needing to kill Marco and telling Annie that she needed to prove her mettle, he was dissociating. Right. And like that's – it's a throwback. Like we know that Reiner dissociated when they stole Aaron – um, and we're in the um, in the forest, 
But now we're mm-hmm. seeing it at an early point earlier that day. Earlier that day? I think that was supposed to be earlier that day. Mm-hmm. And so this is supposed to be like the first moment that we actually see it. So we don't know at this point. <clears throat> it's like that's the very first time that that's happened mm-hmm. to Reiner. But like we're seeing... I don't know. I just... I think that this moment and why I liked mm-hmm. it is that it's proving that Reiner is much more unstable than what we originally thought. Exactly. And it's been happening for way longer than we first believed. Yeah. Um, speaking of Annie, I love that we got to see Annie, even if it meant being mm-hmm. in a flashback. Um, yeah. I hated the betrayal of Marco. Yes. But... I like that we got to see that Annie was crying. Um, Mm -hmm. Like you mentioned earlier, I feel like we see her as being the cold and unfeeling one. But clearly this was a hard decision for her that was kind of like breaking her a little bit. And then um, Raina also mentioned Annie's father. And we know that we had questions about him back in season one coverage, which we still don't mm-hmm. have answers for. Of but I kind not. of like those two things, especially. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. Reiner, so this is just me piggybacking on this point um, that you're making. But um, this comment by Reiner, him knowing who Annie is, right? Like he has this mm-hmm. past with Annie that we still don't know very much about. Right. Him saying that Annie needed to prove herself shows me that she is a much more feeling person than we know of. Oh. And because when I originally saw her save Connie, I didn't think anything of it. I was just like, oh, she's just taking down Titans because she's good at it. Right. She's taking down Titans because she's good at it and... She was just in the area and she's taking care of business. Well, and to be honest, we also didn't know that she was the female Titan. We literally thought she was one among them, you know? Right, exactly. And so because of Reiner's comment makes me think that she is a much more compassionate person because he called out that one detail about her. So I think that there's a lot more to Annie than what we know (sighs) about besides her father, but the type of person that she is. And I think this was just the way that she's acting with the scouts is just a way to armor herself against her own feelings. So I think that she's going to be way different. So loaded. Oh, man, I Mm. love it so much. Oh, I love that you got that from that singular moment. Thanks. (laughs) Um. Oh, um, my last thing that I loved was when the Colossal transforms, it like causes this massive blast. And mm-hmm. John asks, are you guys alive? And Connie goes, hell if I know, are you? And Sasha says, I'm fine hanging in there. And I'm like, oh, Connie. They're becoming this comedic trio, like oh. even more so. That, and, and that's the thing too, is that I feel like this episode um, or at least the last two episodes has really shown them solidifying as like a three unit because yes. we have Aaron, Mikasa and Armin who know how to work together. Like they each have their roles, but now I feel like Jean, Connie and Sasha, I mean, just in this last season, we're seeing 
how they have learned to kind of play off of each other. I mean, Sasha's mm. the one that's long distance that typically will save people with arrows. Jean is kind of the brains. And then mm-hmm. Connie's just kind of there to fill in the gaps as like muscle and to uh, fulfill the plan. And I think that they're becoming a much more cohesive unit. So in our core six that we are following, we're actually seeing two groups of three people who function very well with each other. Oh, I love that so much. Yes. Uh, And I love how you kind of diversify their roles because it really does make sense. They're not just there for comedic relief, but they actually work incredibly well together. Also, mm-hmm. I feel like whenever they bring on someone to help them, it just like explodes to even to being even better, like with Mikasa um, in future episodes. Um, now let's bridge to past episodes. I just want to call attention to the elephant in the room. Where in the heck is Amir? Rhina briefly mentioned the promise that they made to Amir to protect Krista, now Historia. But, like, where is she? We last saw her season two. She was on the walls with Raina and Bertolt before, you know, Beast Titan was ever with them. But we saw her with them, and now it's like she's not there. Obviously, I don't think we can assume that she is trapped in one of those houses because that would be way too risky. But she's Mm -hmm. not with that core group of Titans, so it's like... Where is she? We don't know. Yeah. The last thing, Sam, the last thing, Sam, that I want to do is bridge to past self and admit something to you. And okay. okay. So a few months ago, I asked you if you knew how Rhina died and you said yes. I was going to make a TikTok, like following some trend that I can't even remember, but I was going to make some TikTok of that four group, that that four group of Annie, Rhina, Bertolt, and Marco, <laughs> basically outing that they betrayed Marco. And I just was like, I need to ask Sam, like, if she really knows the truth about Marco. And you're like, oh, yeah, I do. This is before I realized that you watched up to season two. And I just was like, I don't think I'm going to make it. And I'm so glad I did it because can you imagine if I dropped this spoiler on you on our very own TikTok page? Oh. Oh, oh, I was just like, oh, yeah, he was killed by a titan. He was bit in half. They found yes. him in the street. Yep. And I was like, mm, not going to do this TikTok video. Yeah. Just... <laughs> And I laugh about it as I think about it. And now that we've covered it officially, I can tell you, like, that's what was going down. And I had to wait so long to get to this point to tell you. Mm-hmm. Uh, how funny would it have been if you got spoiled by our own by our own TikTok page? Oh, man. <laughs> Not that would have right. been... Yeah, that would have been no bueno because that is a massive, massive betrayal. Um, But yeah, everyone, I think that's it. Let's move on to episode 16. (laughs) 
Well, welcome back, everybody. We are now going to be covering Attack on Titan episode 16. Um, the title is Perfect Game. Um, and I just wanted, to, before we head into our summary, I just wanted to point out that a perfect game alludes to kind of a sports analogy or a sports reference. Um, and, mm-hmm. and it can happen in a couple different sports, but mainly baseball, where they pitch a no hitter game. Um, and that just means that, like, the pitcher is just striking everybody out. Um, so nobody is getting on base, um, which doesn't happen a lot. So a perfect game is like, really really just seamless like your game plan is just follow falling into place and everything's working out for you so that's what a perfect game means yeah and that your pitcher is a freaking boss that's what that Mm -hmm. means exactly (laughs) um so megan do you want to give us our summary Yes, and just a heads up, it's long and I tried to shorten it down, but here we go, because there was so much happening. Bertolt, he transforms into the Colossal Titan and he starts throwing houses that are on fire into the sky for comedic relief. (laughs) Connie said one of those houses might be Aaron's and asked how it felt to have his roof over his head. Get it? Yeah. I was like, uh, Connie, you were going insane. Like, that laugh that he had was just like, I'm trying to find some humor in this, and uh, it's real dark. Yep, and I love how he just says, like, get it. And just like, oh my gosh, he's losing it in the best way. Um, It doesn't seem that Bertolt knows where they are, so the group turns to Armin to come up with a plan of action. But Armin panics. He was wrong about negotiating with Bertolt, so it kind of makes him question his own abilities. And he knew that Jean could do it. Jean gave everyone the order to move and conserve their gas and that Aaron needed to stay out of sight. He didn't have a genius plan and he warned Armin that in the end, it would be him that they were going to count on. So back in Levi's group, they had to eliminate all the smaller titans up front they weren't sure how to get to the beast titan who was often a far distance that's when levi sees large rocks being propelled through the air at the um uh propelled through the air going towards them they're being pelted into the scouts and the beast titan is the one causing it he's taking massive boulders and throwing it and causing a ton of casualties. You know, everyone is screaming. There's blood. Ervin orders the scouts to get down before the beast throws more rocks. And Levi orders them to get toward the wall with the horses. Things look super bad. And the Colossal is on the other side approaching them. So they could use their ODM gear, but that would leave the horses. So Aaron, he's yelling at Bertolt to distract him, but this isn't going to work. Aaron attacks Bertolt's leg and tries to push him, but he's so small that Bertolt just pulls back his leg and swings, which causes Aaron to just propel and fly. Um, Jean, Sasha, and Connie, like seriously intense. Um... Jean, Sasha, and Connie 
distract Berthold as Mikasa goes in for a hit. Mikasa lets the Thunder Spear go and Berthold just blasts a thing of steam, which causes the spears to fly back before it can hit him. And that's when they see that Rhina gets up. Things again are looking really, really bad. Levi tells Ervin that he will go after the Beast Titan and that there's still a chance for Aaron and some other scouts to make it back. There could still be hope. But Ervin proposes another idea, one that requires the scouts and Ervin to die, but allows Levi to kill the beast. They will stake their chances on the slimmest chance of victory. He will go and lead the charge, which means that he won't reach the cellar and learn the truth and prove that he and his father were right. The scouts start their charge toward the beast titan. They fire the smoke signals and spread out. It looks amazing. And they have accomplished, or they have to accomplish, their final mission to charge at the beast titan. And at the same time, Levi uh, makes his way using the row of titans to get towards the beast titan and slaughtering each one of them like a badass, and the Beast Titan throws the rocks towards the scouts. <laughs> like, heavy, heavy. Um, okay, so my theme is more of just, like, pointing out instances where this happened. Not necessarily, like, deep, deep conversation. But um, my theme today is determination. And mm-hmm. I feel like that one's pretty straightforward. I don't have much to say, but I feel like there were a few examples. Um, so we have Bert Holt continuing to finish the job as he, it that he has even with Reiner down. Like we're seeing mm-hmm. Bert Holt at this moment. That's kind of like I don't care about anything except the objective, and so he's like Reiner, try to, try to like, conceal yourself so that you don't get hurt, but like regardless this is going to happen and if you die like see you brother um <laughs> yes and so there's just there's so much grit and determination with Barrett Holt right now and it's very uncharacteristic for him um then we mm-hmm. have Jean rallying everyone to continue to try to stop Barrett Holt even though it is only the six of them left um like he asks it who's alive like like you said before in the last episode like who's alive um but yeah he's just like we like we've got a job to do we're not dead yet like let's go and so that's jean just kind of like digging in his heels and saying let's go you know yeah massive growth from old jean and i love it yeah like he is not the the mp um type of person like he believed himself to be and i'm glad that he's in the scouts because he has very much been like the kick butt holding everybody to their oath kind of person um and he's he's doing the same with himself like he's not expecting more of other people than what he's willing to give which is very very cool in my opinion yep 100 percent um, then we have Mikasa, who's very determined to try to kill Bert Holt while the others try to distract him. Reiner, mm-hmm. not Bert Holt. Reiner, Bert Holt. Uh, Bert Holt. Yeah, Bert Holt. Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. 
um, she's just very determined to get the job done. But determination is nothing new for Mikasa. We all know. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> um, then we have Aaron trying to physically hold hold Bertolt back, which doesn't end up working. But he's trying his best. I mean, if you look at mm. him in comparison to how tall Bertolt is, like I had never really realized how tall the Colossal Titan was in comparison to Aaron's Titan and to Reiner's Titan. Because like we see this, we see Reiner and Bertolt, or sorry, Reiner and Aaron going head to head in mm-hmm. like fisticuffs. And so you see that they're about the same size, but then Bertolt is that much bigger. Like when I was watching it, I realized that Aaron is not even at knee height for Bertolt. Right. It would be the equivalent of a rodent just going on your leg and you just kicking it off, which in Bertolt's eyes, Aaron is probably that rodent, like kicking him off. Like, ew, get away from me. I need to go. Because we've seen we've seen how much bigger Reiner and Aaron were in comparison mm-hmm. to like those smaller Titans, and so I just had never seen the scale difference of right. Aaron and Bertolt before, or never made the connection at least. So you can see how determined Aaron is by how small he is and how much of a difference he like is not gonna make like he's very determined to try his best (laughs) regardless i mean kudos at least for having the gumption to even think like there's a remote possibility that i could knock him over oh like kudos to you exactly (laughs) um next we have reiner recouping and walking towards the final six inside the walls um so he's determined to like even though his head was like halfway through severed um, as a human um, he protected himself so that he could recoup enough to be able to get back up and start fighting again Um, Mm -hmm. and we'll find out more of like his inside thinking I think in the next episode um, of what's going on in that moment but like he's still trudging through and pushing forward Um, which also isn't very surprising for Reiner either. I just thought that like he was just out of commission at that point and he would not heal that fast. That was the only surprise to me. <laughs> um, then we have Erwin leading the rest of the scouts outside of the wall to their deaths as a distraction so that Levi can try to take out the Beast Titan so that the rest of humanity can quote unquote win. Um, and for me, this is like, I, I want to get your take on it, but Erwin has a changed determination mm-hmm. at this point. Um, it's his, his motives are different yeah. um, going into this. And um, this was a very surprising determination for me um, mm-hmm. that he's willing to essentially sacrifice himself. Like, I'm not surprised that he's willing to sacrifice new recruits of scouts. Like, most of the people that are outside of the wall are very, very new um, mm-hmm. recruits. And also, it's very easy to do because it promotes self-preservation. Like, look at how many yes. scouts have died under his own command. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So the fact that he says, like, I'm the only person that can rally these new people into yeah. sacrificing themselves, um, that's a whole nother level to Erwin 
in terms of leadership. Like, he's kind of taking more ownership this time. His words... I'm not saying that, like, Irwin's words in the past were hollow, um, but he's definitely putting more feeling behind it because he's also realizing that he is going to die as well. Um, So there's just this whole, whole other level of determination in my in my eyes which i'm like erwin okay you're not you're not terrible <laughs> um you're the whole doing time you were questioning him to see yeah. if he was on he if he was a true ally to humanity <laughs> yeah um and then my last point is levi using every advantage that he can to close to get close to the beast titan in his odm gear um and taking out as many titans as he can um this is nothing new either like levi has always been very resourceful um but he does have this conversation with erwin he's like how do i get over there with my odm gear because like there's no trees there's no houses and erwin's kind of pretty much saying like use your brain there are a whole bunch of tall things standing next to the beast (laughs) that you can anchor yourself to and that you can take out while you're getting towards him and uh levi's like oh yeah I know, uh, kind of very uh, uncharacteristic of him, but just so that was a funny exchange. <laughs> it was it was very funny. And um, yeah, like I said, Levi, nothing new there that um, is is surprising in the least with his determination, but he does it with panache. Yep, the epic badassery continues. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so let's move on to what we liked. Uh, Megan, why don't you go ahead and go first? Okay. Well, one of the things that I loved was seeing Jean be a leader again. So I just want to contrast it again to season one when he had to lead the group back to HQ. I mean, can everyone remember how he didn't think he was cut out to be a leader To compare it to now, just massive growth, massive improvement for him. And the fact that he still told Armin that he was needed, I feel like that's a true leader. To be able to pull the strengths of everyone around you and not let them flounder either. Mm -hmm. He took the reins because Armin couldn't do it, but he also said, hey, we're still going to need you. And like, oh, just the true leadership coming out of Jean is incredible. That's yeah, definitely one of the things I loved. Yeah. Um, uh, one of the things that I loved about this episode is what the comment that you made about Connie, um, mm-hmm. his like little joke. And then he cackles <laughs> like in the most maniacal, insane way. And it low key scared me a little bit. Like, <laughs> oh, not no. going to lie. I felt so creeped out. Um, <laughs> and I, that's just what I wanted to call out. Like, it was a creepy moment for me. Like, is our sweet Connie breaking? Yeah, you that, know? that's what I thought. I was like, oh, no, my dear, my dear boy. What's <laughs> happened to you? I know, poor thing. Um, but also, let's be honest, how much of us, how, you know, among us, how many of us use dark humor to cope with some really crappy stuff? So, oh, so true. So true. Oh, I can appreciate it. Um, my last thing that I love, Sam, was... The moment when Levi called Ervin sir, 
Um, we'd like never heard that before in my mind. It's always either been first name basis or commander or the commander if he's referring back to him. And this is when he told Ervin that he had to take Aaron and get some scouts so that there could be some hope if they escaped. And he added, to be honest, sir, you know, at the end. And I just was like, gosh, that was so respectful. Like he has, like he feels that they are a sign of hope and he's just like, you've got to do it. And being respectful. And then of course, after Aaron or Ervin admits he has a few plans, like the respect goes out the window and he's like, what the hell basically? But I thought, huh, like in this moment where he thinks he's going to die and everyone's going to die, he just is like pleading in this most respectful way. Yeah, it was a very tender moment between the two of them. And mm-hmm. like just kind of to piggyback on that, I, I really did enjoy Erwin's monologue a lot. Um, oh, yes. And just seeing like you can see the turning point, the wheels, the wheels in his mind are turning. Um, where he's finally realizing that he just needs to give up this dream of proving Mm -hmm. his father right. Because if he can play his cards right, it will happen. And he's actually putting more trust in the people around him than he has in the past. Like, he's always taken everything into his own hands. Um, At least in the sense of, like, methodically placing people and playing Mm -hmm. them to their strengths. At this point, he realizes that if he just trusts Levi and he trusts Aaron and he's like, I can trust that these people are going to be the type of people, this new generation that is going to make it happen. And I don't necessarily need to be there to know that it will happen. Um, And so he's trying to, instead of using somebody else as a pawn, I mean, he's still using the new recruits as pawns, but he's using himself as a pawn. He's like, I have nothing else to give. If this is the last thing that I can give, let's use it. Oh, um, I love that. I I love that, Sam. Because, yeah, it does show the trust that he has in the people that survive, that mm-hmm. his father will be proven correct. Mm-hmm. And that you know, whatever they find will give all the answers that they need and that he doesn't have to be there to see it. Yeah. Ugh, heavy. Like he said, he said that he was just a coward sleep away. Mm -hmm. I just, ugh. And then for him to just have that shift and what you just said, oh man, that was so good. I loved it. <laughs> okay, well, let's move on. It doesn't look like either of us have a bridge to past episode, so let's just move on to our Not MVP. A... Okay. Um, for me, I don't see that you have one listed yet, so I'm guessing that you're trying to um, kind of save it a little bit. Um, but for me, it was Irwin. Um, he just he decided to go against his his desires to help and save humanity. What little of it is left. Um, to lead a whole bunch of new recruits to their death. And like I just said about his monologue and his um, conversation with Levi, I just, I feel like it was just an amazing moment and he, he chose the better of the two instead of saving himself. He's, he's saving Mm -hmm. a lot more people. So that's why I choose him. 
Oh, well, and the reason why mine is blank is because I 100% agree with you that it has to be Aaron or Ervin as MVP for all the reasons that you said. And I think an honorable mention has to go to Jean because okay. those new scouts, they've got Levi and Ervin, mm-hmm. our core six doesn't have a single senior leader and Jean is rising up. So I think yeah. he gets honorable MVP. Yeah. But yeah, it really does have to go to Ervin for those final moments. Mm-hmm. I agree. No, I, th- I like your honorable, honorable mention. Like he really does uh, take up that mantle when Armin feels like he can't. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't think that there's anything wrong with Armin saying that he can't. He's just realizing in that moment he's not the one that is strongest. Right. There's no ability. shame to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's no shame in it. And Jean getting an honorable mention isn't to shame Armin in the slightest. Um, it's just to say, look how far he's come. And look mm-hmm. at him just rising up to do this unthinkable thing to take down the colossal. Definitely. Well, okay, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for episodes 15 and 16. We hope that you enjoyed it. Uh, We definitely did. Um, Yes. We just wanted to remind you that we do have a Patreon. um, If you'd like to support us in any other way. Um, We also... If, if you would like to chat with us or maybe share with us some uh, little tidbits that you would like to mention about these past two episodes, please reach out to us. We love chatting with you guys. Um, you can either give us an e or shoot us an email at littlebitweebish at gmail.com or you can reach out to us via Instagram or TikTok. Our handle is littlebitweebish. We... Um, ask that you uh before you listen to the next podcast episode that you watch attack on titan season three episodes 17 and 18 um and we hope to see you next time thanks everyone bye bye